Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, joined as always by Nima Tavali. And on today's show, we will review match day eight of Serie A as Milan go clear at the top of Serie A after a dramatic ending to their win over Genoa, which saw Olivier Giroud end the game in goal after Mike Magnon's red card and Giroud making a big save to win the game at the end. Inter throw away a two-goal lead at Bologna as Bologna deny yet another big team this season. Juventus take the bragging rights in the Turin derby with a redemption story for Federico Gatti. We'll also react to Paul Pogba's counter-analysis drugs test confirming the positive first test. He now faces a long ban and probably a contract termination from Juventus. Elsewhere, both Roman clubs win. The Frosinone fairy tale continues while Napoli hosted Fiorentina in the big Sunday evening game. We also have more barely believable crimes against Pemfacery. So please, <laughs> can't even say the word. So let's, uh, so please stay to the end uh, and listen to those. Um, for all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode that we do every Monday reviewing the weekend Serie action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content that we do throughout the week, including a weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday where we answer all the questions from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month plus VAT. And now you can also sign up to be a paid subscriber on Spotify. Uh, we'll provide the link in the description. It's the same price and the same terms. Um, for all of you that do listen on Spotify or on Apple, iTunes podcast, we'd really appreciate if you give us a five-star rating, give us a follow and a like. And we're on YouTube as well. Um, all that really helps us to grow and do more quality content for you guys. Yes, and also the new updated Patreon app uh, for all patrons has become is, is really, really good. It's become a real community. There's now a uh, chat function where you can talk to everyone else who's a patron and you can interact with other patrons and also with us. Um, so make sure to check that out. Um, but uh, let's get into today's show. But first, a word from our sponsor. Making your own podcast is fun. But the production of podcasts can also be challenging if you don't have the right software. With Zencaster, the whole process is quick and straightforward. Here at the Italian Football Podcast, we aim to have the highest of standards, and Zencaster provides crystal clear sound and fantastic HD video quality. Furthermore, it's really easy to use. Even boomers like Carlo can manage. There's nothing to download, just one click, and we start recording each episode. Zencaster ensures that your podcasting experience is easy and enjoyable. You don't even have to leave your browser as it possesses all the tools required to get the episode done, from local recording to automatic post-productions. Go to zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code ItalianFootball, one word. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experiences that we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Okay, let's start off with the Turin derby. Um, it was the big game of the, of the weekend. Um, and Juventus get the win. 2-0 victory against Torino. Um, an industrial 
industrious Juventus. I don't know if that's how we want to describe it. Or, <laughs> or I could be crueler and call it Brexit Juventus, which is a point, <laughs> which is a Brexit which is a, ball, Brexit ball Brexit Juventus, ball. <laughs> which is a term I coined last season because mm. Juventus were scoring so many goals off corners, uh, and that was basically their, their their way of scoring. And they scored both goals off corners in this game, and their only other big chance in the game came from a cross. Um, so this is. This is the way that Juventus create chances, corners, crosses, mistakes, or an individual moment from someone, from someone like Chiesa. But, you know, it did the damage in this game. Um, I think the big story is the Gatti redemption story, which I think is a really lovely story because, you know, he made such a horrific mistake in the, the Sassuolo game. Um, I mean, one of the all-time Serie A bloopers, let's be honest, uh, with that own goal from the Chesney pass into his open net. And he got hammered. He got absolutely hammered by Juventus fans, but he got laughed at by by everyone all around the world. And it couldn't have been easy for him. And I think that he's really shown, you know, his a really strong mental strength that within like when was that a fortnight ago? Within a fortnight, he's come here, he's played a really good game, solid in defence, and then he scored really the the decisive goal, the, the, the goal that broke the deadlock uh, in, in this game. Um, so I think that's a that's a lovely story, isn't it, Nima? <laughs> No, it is because it was horrible for him. Um, the way you know, you you like to see people get uh, you know redeem themselves because that was a, that, that was just shocking. Um, and he was he was good in this game, but I mean, he, I think he's a decent player. I don't think he's ever going to be world class or top class, but I think he's a decent rotation player who can do well for Juve uh, in a back mm. three. And if I'm not mistaken, he was called up to the Italy national team as well. He was, right? and I yeah. still think that he's actually more suited for a back four. I think mm. when he doesn't have to cover so much. Uh, ground, ground yeah. to the sides you know I think he, that's where he struggles kind of on the turn but when he can kind of be part of a unit um, I think I think he I think he is better um, but yeah I think that was a really nice story um, I, I think that there, there were some positives individually for Juventus I thought Kostic was really good in this game with his crosses he put some some really wicked crosses in from set pieces, but also from- his, it's so good. I mean, we give credit to Di Marco, but we have to give credit to Kostic. I mean, his left foot as well. I mean, for how many years now is it that Kostic is always top in terms of assists for his for his uh, crosses? Or yeah, I mean, he's very very one dimensional, but. But well, so when, is Di Marco. But, you can't tell me that he's much more. I, mean, I, I think he, I don't think he is as one dimensional from Kostic in, in that I think that Co- Di Marco plays some really nice passes as well. Like yeah. Kostic is really just a crossing machine, and that's that's it really. Whereas Di Marco, I think he can do some nice short passes, long passes. He doesn't give the ball away. Um, but yeah, he is. He's very very. You know, when he crosses like this, he puts so much pace on the ball as well that he invites you to attack it. And if you do attack it and get good contact on it the power is already in there from the cross. Um, so I think that I, I think that we have to give some praise to, to Kostic in this game. Um, I also want to give a bit of praise to Moise Keane um, because, I mean, in the, fir- the first half of this game was, was terrible. It was unwatchable. Um, but he, I thought he did really well. Like, I mean, just, just his battling qualities, just, just, you know, his hold-up play was actually not too bad. Um, I thought he had a great finish for the goal that was disallowed. He was correctly disallowed. It was offside. But it was an amazing finish into the into the top, uh, near post, top corner. Um, and he did one really amazing control as well. It, have a look at this one control. It's kind of like Zlatan Ibrahimovic-esque control. Sort of like karate kick high up in the air and brought yeah. it down. Um, and he also was called up for the Italy national team um, as well. So... 
you know, I, I want to give a word of praise for, for Moise Keen just just for, for the, the I work think he's for looking yeah, I was gonna say I think he's um he's he's found he's he's found himself again, if that makes sense. I think he's looking balanced on and off the pitch. I think he's in, he's found his role and the team and he's accepted it and he's just working I, hard. I think yeah, I mean I don't want to go over the top, but I think like he has got to a point now where he's kind of showing that he's got something to offer. We all know that there's weaknesses there. I mean, he has his head down. His his awareness and of others is, is really just not good enough. He, he, he's head down. I think I joked once that, you know, you wouldn't want to be in a car with Moise Keane driving because he'd be head down, head down all the time, not looking at the, what's going on, the traffic. But, you know, he's. I, I think he did quite well in this game. Um, I mean, the other positive was the Juventus defence. I mean, they conceded no chances in this game. Three, three, three clean sheets in a row since that Sassuolo game, and the defense really has tightened up. I mean, the Lecce game, Lecce didn't have a single shot. I think they had one shot in the entire game, off target, nothing on target. Um, Torino created nothing in this entire game. I think it was their first shot on target was in the eighty-seventh minute or something. Um, and then in the Atalanta game, Atalanta did have a few chances and maybe just deserved to win, but they didn't really create that much. It was, it was, you know, just a few chances. So. Considering it's away at Atalanta, I think Juventus' defence did pretty well in that game as well. So, I mean, Juventus have have tightened up since that Sassuolo disaster. Um, in terms of the offensive side of the game, you know, I ha- I'm not changing my mind at all. I- I'm not impressed by it. They only create chances off corners in this game, and, and that's not good enough. But you know, end of the day, they, they won, uh, and the table. You now, if Milan and Inter, I mean, let's remember as well. We'll come on to Milan Inter. Inter dropped two points, but Milan were three minutes away from dropping two points as well. If Milan and Inter are going to continue kind of being this shaky after after international games, then, you know, Juventus can have their say as badly as, as I think that they're playing offensively. You know, if those two teams are going to continue dropping points, then, you know, Juventus can kind of, maybe they can kind of stick around with them. We'll have to see how they do when they, they play against Milan Look, and Inter themselves. They, they Juve... Are two points off Inter, and they haven't really played well. Um, I think Milan have had a fantastic start to the season: seven wins, one loss, and that loss coming in a drubbing against your crosstown rivals. And the way you pick yourself up after that is really, really impressive. So they are. It's quite clear. I mean, Marcello Lippi always said the Serie A really begins from match day ten. Before that, it's preliminary rounds. Well, I'd say Milan. Have been have had a fantastic start to the season. Inter very good start, and Juve as well. So the three of them, you know, it could be a situation. I was talking with our good friend Patrick Kendrick the other day. I said, I, th- I think we're going to have a classic Inter v Milan v Juve trident for the Scudetto this season. Um, I don't think you will go all the way, but I think they will push for it. Yes. I do think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't think Juventus are playing anywhere near well enough to challenge for the Scudetto, but if Milan and Inter are going to drop points or, or, you know, play like they did this weekend after, you know, tough midweek games, then, you know, who knows? Um, just want a word on Torino, though, Nima. Because yeah. Before we go, I just got to... You, we have to pay tribute to Max Allegri, who is writing history now. He is the coach with the most wins in the three-point era in the Serie A. 289 now. Um, he's the third ever for number of wins in the Serie A behind only Trapattoni on 352 and Nereo Rocco with 302, which means this season he could overtake Nereo Rocco 
as in second spot for the coach with the most wins in the Serie A. So who's first? To repeat who's Tra- first? Trapattoni. Trapattoni okay. 352. Yeah, 352 matches one in the Serie A, Nereo Rocco 302, Allegri 289. Mm. Um, that's truly remarkable. Um, it's unique. He's the he's the coach with the most wins in the three point era, and the three point era started ninety four ninety five season, mm. uh, two hundred eighty nine wins, and that's truly you know give credit where credit is due. He is a fantastic coach, um, and he's a winner. Um, it's as simple as that, and people can make fun all they want, but two hundred eighty nine wins in one league. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think anybody, unless they're stupid, doubts what Allegri did in his first spell at Juventus. Yeah. I've never doubted that. I was a big fan yeah. of him. And obviously he did, you know, he won the Scudetto at Milan mm. as well. Um, and what he so did at Cagliari as well. I mean, he was... Yeah, so you, you can't take that away from him. It, you know, I, I'm not a fan of him since he's come back to Juventus. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, those numbers obviously show the career as a whole. Yeah. And you can't... you can't. Uh, I think he'll overtake Nereo Rocco this season. Uh, uh, 302 is only, what, 13 wins away. Yeah, which is of not. Course he will. Yeah, yes. so he should overtake them. Yeah, so will. that's that's pretty cool to be honest. Mm. Yeah, no, impressive, very impressive. A word on Torino though. Torino were, were, were awful in this game. <sighs> awful, absolutely, absolutely awful. shocking. Mm. Um, I'm I'm annoyed. Uh, you know how much I rated Ivan Juric and wanted him to take the next step, but this is this is unacceptable. He's not I mean, taking the next step. He, he absolutely he stagnated, yeah. as has Torino. Their first shot that, on target. He? What? Yeah, he admitted it in his post match. Yeah. He apologizes. Yeah. I'm sorry, I haven't been able to take this team to further in the last two and a half years. Like, I think he realizes that he hasn't been able to. No, he really has, and I step. thought he would be. Um, mm. And and I, I mean, the first shot on goal they had came in the 86th minute with Zapata. Before that, they just they were blunt, and you got to give credit to Juve for neutralizing them and Allegri for neutralizing them. But for the love of God, yeah. The problem is if it was just this one, if it was just this one game, you could give it all to Juventus. But it's not. This is a common theme, and it's not even just a common theme. I mean, this season, Torino scored six goals in eight games, um, and that's the lowest in the top. I'm not. I think they dropped down from the top half now. I mean, no one in the top half has lower than that, um, and. But, you know, we've spoken about it for so long, haven't we, about the mm. last two seasons as well. They're just Torino, you know, they're, they're well organised. They, I think they're a decent pressing team. I think they're a very good no, they pressing are. team, actually. Um, he seems to be able to, he seems to be really good at all that other stuff. He's actually not bad at developing players as well. Um, you know, we had a question on the Q&A about, you know, Juric maybe being the wrong manager for Atalanta next, which, which I think he is the wrong manager, but... He has developed some good players as well, so it's not like he can't develop players. I think he just, he just, just chance creation. He just in the final third, Torino just can't create, can't put those patterns together to create chances. And yes, they haven't had the best attackers, but and Zapata's probably a little bit past his best as well. And I don't think he's the solution either. But mm. still, you know, you, you have to number one look at the coach for not being able to create chances and. This is yeah, like you said. This is the reason why he's he's not going to coach a big club uh, unless he can somehow turn this around. He's not. He's still reasonably young, I guess. But he, yeah, it's it's, it's very disappointing. Very disappointing. Um, just before I want to do a little dedication, um, just want to talk about Pogba um, because his his doping confirmation, uh, doping um, test has been confirmed. Um, he, he he had the counter analysis test on a on a second sample. 
after he'd failed the first doping test on, on August the 20th, which was after the Udinese game. Uh, and that test came came back positive as well, which it nearly always does. Um, so he's been, he'd already been provisionally suspended. Uh, he's now obviously suspended um, uh, ahead of a, what is going to be a trial um, to determine... Well, he has to. He has to make a plea. He has to say whether mm. he wants to admit guilt or he wants to fight it in court. Or what what he wants to do, um, you know, what, does he want to plead bargain, uh, or does he want to, you know, make his case and fight it and say, you know, and contest it and, and lay a legal groundwork for what on what grounds he wants to contest it. Regardless, even you know even say shortest period, even if he does plead bargain, which I don't think he will, um, I would be surprised if he did, because I think they would want to give him a seven to eight month ban minimum or even a year. Or well, maybe even I, think, I saw Gianluigi, a lot friend of the show, Gianluigi Longari speaking about this. And if, if it's determined that it was deliberate and he's facing a up to four years ban, but I don't think, I think we know that wasn't the case. Um, if it was kind of an accidental, we could be looking at two years, up to two years. But if he does a plea bargain, we could be talking about kind of one year. So does he just go for the plea bargain and just accept the one well, year? I mean, and come the back? thing is, the deliberate thing is, and also he's a first time offender, and I don't think, you know, the, the deliberate aspect of it, uh, you know, I don't think anyone can argue that he did it deliberately because he's literally shown the, you know, he trusted a doctor to eat and uh, uh, some kind of, was it like what do you call it like vitamin apparently or, it was dhea supplement which which yeah, could supplement. be thank you that's what i was looking for yeah he was looking for a supplement i mean when when you eat these things and you ask a doctor is it on the list and they say no and you trust the doctor yes of course you're responsible for what you put in your body but then you know it's not like he was you know wanting to and if he can prove that and if the doctor testifies in his favor and all that then i think we can we, we talk about accidental but it's still his responsibility i mean but that remains to be seen i still think that we are i i don't think i think he's going to get a seven eight month ban i think the earliest the, the earliest this gets resolved is within a month or two and then he gets a seven eighth eight month ban, or if he wants to push it and argue it, then 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 you know go to court and then they make a decision. And if he's not happy with the length of the suspension, he'll he'll appeal that and all that. So I think that at the earliest, will will this this thing will be done within two three months, and at the latest May. What that means for Juve, I think for Juve they. I think you overlook at this in two ways. If he's going to get over a year, year and a half suspension, when by the time he gets that suspension, um, that's when I think they will start negotiating a mutual termination. But if he's only given a six, seven, eight month ban and he plea bargains it and the whole thing is like, you know, goes away, well, then he, his suspension will end by the end of this season and he'll be free to to start working again with Juve for next season. Um, I don't, you know, it, it's. Well, I'm not entirely convinced that he gets uh, that they that they terminate his contract. I think it depends on the punishment. Um, but regardless, I still think that Juve will will you know if they terminate his contract before the two years are up, they will get you know they will have to pay taxes on his wages because he obviously they used a decreta crescita when he joined, and you have to fulfill at least two years 
of that mm. contract for, for, for to be able to enjoy that, you know, the 50% or, you know, the tax, what do you call it? reduction mm. um, on that. That's, so interesting. I, I, That's an interesting yeah. little side. So yeah. I, I think Juventus will do the math on that. But regardless, look, I think, you know, they can look at this and go, okay, you got seven, eight months off. Okay, well, now you have seven, eight months to really build up your body. Do you know what I mean? And then next season, if it's only seven, eight months, and they really they put him on a diet and, 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 mm. a, and a close... I, I'll be, I, I think I, I think Juventus will... will will terminate but like you said it will deter- it will depend on oh, when they whether they're that. allowed to whether they're yeah. allowed to if they have as any possibility they're they're, they're allowed to terminate his contract no, no they are allowed to because he's doped but you know because regardless of what he's doped if that's the case they'll terminate yeah but what i mean is i don't think they'll do it before the before mm. two years have passed i don't know I, i'm not i'm, I'm, I'm i want to wait and see what happens first before we because because i think yuva will obviously want to you know if they can offload him they will, um, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little pretty, bit on the I'm, fence. Here. I, th- I think it sure. depends on how how long the punishment is. If I, I think a, I think if it's more get, than a year. I think he's a gone. I think they'll terminate him if 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 it, they're allowed to. Basically, no, they can't. They can terminate him. In that but, case, hundred percent, they will terminate his contract because because we know even if he even if he was to only be out for a month, we know his body's broken, and then they were trying to sell him this summer anyway. So they're not going to pass up pass up an opportunity to, to get him mm. off there to off get the him books. off their books. And I think it's sad. I think it's very sad and it's a shame that it's come to this. It's been a, one of the most disastrous returns to a football club. Maybe Probably the, the most, worst one. Maybe I've the most never, disastrous. I can't, I can't remember a, a more awful return by a player to a club ever. Player well, there's been a few bad coaching returns, I guess, but No, but know, as a player, as I said, as a player, player yeah. I can't remember ever a second tenure being as bad as, as Paul Pogba's just been no, everything injuries, performances and then everything. now, and now just been unwatchable. this as well. The, the, the wages yeah. as well. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, 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 it's yeah. awful. It's awful. Um, right. I just want to finish this, um, this, this segment. This is quite tough to do with a, just a little dedication. I want to dedicate not just this segment, but this episode to a, to a really dear friend of mine, who um, was a, a massive Juventus fan who, who who actually just passed away just before we started recording, uh, actually, um, today uh, on Sunday. And um, he was um, he was a big fan of this podcast. He listened to, to every episode and he's he's been unwell um, this this year. And he actually often he often listens to this pod while he was in hospital and while he was uh, in bed uh, at home. And um he was a, a big, big, as I said, a big, big Juventus fan. And, and we were only speaking last night, actually, after the Juventus Serena game. And, you know, he was, he was, he was okay. He was doing good. He was in good spirits. Um, um, but unfortunately, um, I'm not going to say his name because I think that's up to the family to, to announce and everything. But the last thing that um, he messaged me was, was when is Allegri going to, Changes tactics and start playing some some entertaining football. And that that was that was nine like nine thirty on on Saturday evening, um, and that was the last time um, I spoke to him. And then I just found out today, and I'm just yeah, I'm totally gutted. Um, he was ill, and kind of you know we knew that he was on borrowed time, but it was kind of unexpected that it would happen as it did. But I'm just a bit in shock because you know 
we only spoke about Juventus uh, last night and he was, you know, we always discussed about Allegri, like he wasn't a fan of Allegri, like, because oh, they, they, they always put me to sleep you know, when he wasn't well. He wanted to watch Juventus play, wanted them to entertain him and, he, and he's like, oh, they, they, you know, it's not entertainment for me. <laughs> like, and um, yeah, just we spoke last night. So yeah, this was just a, a little dedication for you. I'm glad that, you know, the last game, Juventus game, you got to see, you got to see Juventus win. Um, and uh, yeah, so this this is for you, brother. That's that's all I wanted to say. Okay, right. Um, let's move on then to Inter, and they drop two points, Nima, uh, against Bologna. Two two goals up, um, and they draw two two. What what went wrong in this game? Now look, it's. Um... Inter started the game really well. They they continued the second half against Benfica. The first opening 20-25 minutes was really good. The way they imposed themselves, they looked relaxed, they looked in control. But the problem is that when they went 2-0 up after that fantastic Lautaro goal, you know, Lautaro made a mistake. He he made a silly mistake, conceded a penalty, and they scored. Sommer was close to saving it. But that's the thing that annoys me so much is the fact that Inter suggests the way that after that they concede a penalty and, and immediately after going to and up and, and conceding a goal, the fact that it seems that Inter look mentally fragile. And this has been something that's been going on at Inter for a couple of years, uh, even under Antonio Conte. And I thought that we were past this stage. But this this seems to be an issue with Inter. They look nervous um, and they, they just lost all their groove and, and, and all their jazz and they just looked they just were out of it and, and looked scared um, and that's that's not good and, and you could tell that Simone he's usually very active on the sidelines but he was he was angry, he was so angry he barely said anything, he was very calm on the sidelines and afterwards he was furious he's the angriest I've seen him at, one of the, I mean I've never seen him this angry at Inter for sure at Lazio he had a few moments where he lost it but he was fuming afterwards with throwing away points not handling games well not handling situations well lack of concentration and that's something that this Inter needs to grow from um I think that and and Lautaro obviously is the captain and he's a symbol of this Inter and he was unable to pick himself up and, and lead by example after that. And Inter just felt flat and, and, and didn't have any bite. And of course, you know, I praised Pavard in the first half for being brilliantly defensively. And then, of course, him and Acerbi do whatever the hell that was for the equalizer in the second half. Um, lots of mistakes, nervousness. I... I, I think a lot of it is, it's not just one thing. And I don't want to, you know, we're, this is match day eight. We can't draw any conclusions from this. It's too soon. Um, and, and I think people panicking over this after match day eight need to chill out. Okay. But I don't like the fact that Inter can come across as arrogant or lose concentration this early on in games after one half or after 25 minutes, because it suggests that they're a mentally fragile team. And I don't like that. And I think they should be much more assertive. I think Simone got his lineup and rotations wrong this entire window between the last international break and this international break. Um, he went, he opted to start the same team against 
Benfica in the Bologna game. I think that was wrong. I think De Frey should have started. I think Carlos Agosta should have started. I think Fratesi should have started instead of Mikitarian. I think he's got his rotations wrong. And now he has a couple of weeks to, to think things through and get it right. Because now the season starts. Um, and he, you know, the preliminary rounds of the Serie A are always, um, are, you know, as Lippi famously said, is, you know, before match day 10, it's the preliminary rounds. Everyone's just getting warmed up and you need to collect as many points and bank them as much as you can. And Inter have done well, you know, six wins, one draw, one loss is, is not bad. But it just feels four drop points, especially after you've beat Monza, Fiorentina, and Milan as convincingly as you did. And Monza and Fiorentina were teams you dropped points against. Well, those points you dropped last season against them, well, you've you've gone and just thrown them away against Bologna, excuse me, and Sassuolo, teams you beat at home. It was six points then. You took only one point. From Fiorentina and Monza at home, you only took one point so yeah it's unnecessary it's unnecessary how much of this is down to the post champions league dip because they after the (coughs) after the real sociedad game inter looked tired against empoli they won one nil and they were in total control of that game um but albeit against an empoli team that were had lost every single game heavily so it was a terrible empoli team um, and then, the, and then, uh, as a result, after that, the next game was Sassuolo, and, and they then dropped the points um, against Sassuolo. And then, obviously, this season as well. And, and I had a little look back uh, last season uh, and Inter's record after Champions League midweek games and the weekend game straight after. Inter's record was one six, lost six in the weekend mm-hmm. games straight after Champions League. So you, you can clearly see that that Inter struggled. Yeah. After after Champions League uh, games, no, they do, they do, and the difference, of course, now is, you know, you've got four more games in in the Champions League, uh, and so you know before Christmas, and and that's you know that's not too many, but you know it's still now the season begins because Inter play Torino away. If I'm not mistaken, they play Torino away immediately after the the, the Serie A begins, uh, or you know restarts again. Um, they play Torino away. They have Salzburg at home, Roma at home, Atalanta away, uh, Salzburg away, and then Frosinone at home. Now you really have to win both of those games against Salzburg, and you can't really afford to drop more than well. They have to beat Roma. They they have to beat Torino. They can they they can afford to draw Atalanta or Torino away, but one of them they have to win. And Frosinone, of course, they have to win at home. So it's unnecessary. It doesn't give them any these drop points against Bologna and and Sassuolo because it, it could have given them a eight perfect eight start. It would have given them some room. Um, and now they don't have that. So. Mm-hmm. Eh. You know, it is what it is. But I just, I think at this point, I want. I'm glad to see Simona's reaction. I'm glad that he got angry because I think it's sometimes. You know, he's he's always he's been a very modern coach. He's been this kind of, you know, leadership by consent, win the hearts and minds, and you know, and, and lead that way. And but I think sometimes getting angry 
and you know, like I said, the Gothenburg saying, bring your plum beep out and smack it on the table and say, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, come on. And, that and is the best of the Swedish sentence, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very Gothenburg saying. Um, mm. <laughs> like, get angry and smack it on the table and say, come on, sort mm. yourselves out. And I think he did a little bit after. I'll tell you what, Lautaro definitely slapped it about with that goal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, that was a sensational goal. That was mm. amazing. Uh, what a rocket top corner and his goal record this season he's got mm. 10 into 8 in Serie A and he's only the third player in the history of Inter to reach double figures in the first 8 games uh, yeah, played yes. as a, as in the, of the season after Giuseppe Miazza 1935-36 and Antonio Valentin Angelillo who got 16 um, yeah, well, that was 50, <laughs> 59 yeah. 59 so we're talking about over 60 years ago yeah no, he's, he's, he's doing He's he's writing history now. I mean, he's becoming, he's taking that step. Uh, that, honest to God, I I will I have no problem admitting it. I never thought he would be the, a bomber. I always thought he was a nine and a half or a ten and a half. Now he's becoming a bomber, a real bomber, and it's just truly remarkable to see. I just want him to continue. I, I just want him to like I said, not when he makes a mistake as a captain that he immediately picks himself and the team up because it's it annoys me because if you've only conceded five goals in eight games and you've lost one and drawn one, that's too much. You, you, you have to react. You have to be able to... You can't lose a 2-0 lead at home. And same thing with Sassolo, losing leads at home. Like that is that's just unacceptable. It cannot happen. Yeah, um, we have to give a word of praise though to to uh, to Bologna um, because I I tipped them at the start of the season uh, and a few people I said at the start of the season that I I think that they're going to cause a lot of trouble to the big mm. teams and that they are a dark horse for Europe. Uh, they are, and a, a few people laughed at me. Um, Naming Patrick Kendrick, Patrick, um, <laughs> who tipped them for relegation. He's, uh, so who tipped them for relegation? He tipped them, but he said they could probably no, get he, relegated. He's having a laugh when he, there's no way he said he was. They, they he were said that relegated. to me in a WhatsApp message. Like, yeah, because he crew. was winding. I can't even now. There's no way he said Bologna. <laughs> he was just winding you up. Mm. <laughs> okay, Patrick, you can you can uh, yeah, you confirm no this. There's no way that you can he, he, this. the Bologna was going to get. Relegated. This is my revenge for him for him having a go at me about the market versus Beckham. Oh, it was so funny. Public. No, that really pissed him off. He really oh, yeah, he him. hates DeMarco. He absolutely hates him. No, he him. doesn't hate DeMarco. He doesn't hate DeMarco. What he, <laughs> do, he just thought, he, he, was, he woke up early in the morning because uh, I was talking to him that day. He's like, I've not even had my morning coffee and I listen to your pod. And the first thing I hear is DeMarco Beckham. And then he listens to a French radio talking about, was it Zidane equating Del Piero with Zidane or something like that? And he was just like, okay, this is too much. This is too much in the morning. Like he was like, <laughs> but no, yeah. he doesn't hate the market. Well, anyway, really the, the Bologna um, have have had such a hard start to the season. Um, they've played Milan, Napoli, Juventus, and Inter already in the first eight games. They've got three draws from those four games, and I mm. think they played well against Milan as well, and they mm. dominated the second half in that game. Um, to be only a few points from Europe after this starts the season, I think is very very impressive. Uh, and Motta, the job Motta's doing is is, is magnificent. I mean, I, I don't know how it finished last season, but going into the closing weeks of the season, I remember reading that um, after he had joined Bologna last season, that for 
that they were in the top four for points earned based on if you added up the points from when he took the job well, here's till, the thing. until if the you, end of the season. If you look at this season, he lost against Milan on a match they won, but he drew Napoli, Juve and Inter. And Juve and Inter were away. So it's impressive. He beat Bologna and Empoli at home and then he drew Monza away uh, and Veron, Verona away. And, and so, you know, he's doing a good job. There's no doubt about that. He's yeah. doing a very interesting. I, I, I like him. I, I think he's got a big future ahead of him, Mata. I think he because he, he's got he plays that progressive football. He has the clear passing patterns, and mm. his players are always comfortable at coming out, playing out of kind of dangerous areas in their own half, r- rather than booting it away. And um, I think the other thing that's really telling is that players want to play for him yeah, as well. Do. Like look at the players that signed. You know, players like Carlson, Christensen, Freuler. You kind of you expect these players to have moved to to clubs bigger than Bologna. This summer, uh, Christensen actually said that he joined Bologna because of Motta, as he saw him as the best manager to help him on his journey to become, well, he said one of the best in the world. I think he's maybe got bigger ambitions. Quite, I mean, no, nothing wrong with that. I think he's got, his ambitions are a bit too big, but I mean, it shows, doesn't it? That um, you know, the, 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 it shows kind of how Motta is seen. Um, the other thing I want to say about Bologna is, uh, and I might have to put her hands up on this eventually, is Joshua Zirksi. Um, after I slagged him off after the first game he's against Milan. He's been brilliant since then. <laughs> well, I don't know brilliant, but he's shown signs no, of he's brilliance. Been, he's he's shown had some, moments of brilliance. He's yeah. moments of brilliance. There, there's something there, because I got a minute, when I watched him in that Milan game and haven't seen him kind of last season, and who was he at in Italy before? Was it Parma? He was at for a while. Uh, a couple. Of, who was he at a couple of years ago? But anyway, terrible touch, heavy first touch, really messy, kind of lazy kind of player, couldn't get it under, couldn't get it under control. Kind of ball would bounce off him like Lukaku-like touch. Um, didn't shoot very cleanly, um, and I just thought, what is this guy? But whatever Motta has done with him, he's done a great job developing him because he's a handful. He's very strong. Defenders bounce off him. He's really good, kind of protecting the ball. And he's, he has improved that touch and that link-up this season. I mean, he, he really caused Juventus all kinds of problems. And again, Inter, in this game, he, he, caught, I mean, he scored the second, he scored the equaliser, didn't he? So he's, a, he's an interesting player because these kind of players are kind of, these are the strikers, aren't they, nowadays in modern football? These kind of big, kind of Zlatan kind of players that then they can hold the ball up like that. They're, they're a huge asset. So... Um, yeah, he's he's grown on me. He has grown on me. He has, and and I got to say, we have a question on this on on the Q and A pod uh, tomorrow. Um, but I have to say, I, I I've I'm, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards changing my opinion because I wanted to see Ivan Juric at Atalanta. I think I'd rather see Thiago Motta there, to be honest, as his next step, because mm. I, it'd be very interesting to see what he can do replacing Gasparini, playing three times a week. I think that's the, what I want to see as well. And ha- we have to give praise to Calafiori against Inter because what a monster he was in this game. Um, he he just didn't give Inter a... Playing centre-back as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Which is he not was, his natural no. position. Yeah, yeah, because they had an injury crisis, Bologna. He had three of their first-choice um, players out and the only criticism I do have for Motta is defending post on corners not putting mm. the man on the other corner that Cherby <laughs> goal was just so mm. easy just yeah. head it on target goal because you didn't have someone on your post so mm. that is one criticism I have of Motta but otherwise very 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 impressed um, let's move on to Milan mm. then who take advantage of Inter's 
slip up and go top on their own. Two points clear now. Beating Genoa 1-0, but only just. They scored an 87th minute uh, winner. Which was from- controversial. We have to talk about that because... I've watched it so many times and I still can't tell whether it hits his hand or well, see, hits his arm or thing. not. This is the thing. We, we have to talk about what it, where what is a punishable, you know, the, the shoulder is not handball. It's everything below the shoulder. That's punishable. And where his position of his arm is, it is horizontal with the shoulder. So it is not in a, you can't say it's a natural position. Okay. The question is exactly what you said. And I agree with you. I have looked at it with four in 5k, in, in, in grainy. I've, I don't know if it touches below his shoulder. I think it looks like it does, but I can't say conclusively. I really mm. can't. But I have to say, and, and then in situations like that, the referees are told, if you can't, you have to let it go. You can't erase mm. a goal if you can't conclusively see that the ball touches his arm. Or if you give it, you can't turn it around. Well, exactly. That's what I mean. You can't turn the... Yeah, Either way, and, you stick with your original decision. Yeah. You, you can't do that if it's not conclusive. Mm. And I don't think it is conclusive. I don't think anyone can tell me it's conclusive. Well, unless you see it for definite, you can't really guess on it, can you? I mean, it's it, it's one of those that could have hit his hand, but we just Look, can't know for sure. But again, when we say handball, we mean everything below the shoulder as per defined in the laws of the game of what is unpunishable offence. Like, what is handball? It's everything below the shoulder. Um, so does it touch him? I, th- I think you can say with 90% certainty that it does but you can't say with 100% certainty and so you can't overrule, overrule it. You really can't. Um, but it is. it looks to me, to me, I think it's not a wild assumption here to say that, well, based on gravity and Isaac Newton's laws of physics working <laughs> in Italy as well, um, when the ball, the, the, the way that the ball hits and the way that he moves, I don't think it's a huge assumption to make that the ball hits mm. his eye. It, it hits yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a good way of putting it, yeah. So so, so to me, that is, that is I, I think it, it shouldn't have stood. But I don't think it's this kind of... But you can't give it, though. If you don't see if it, if you stop, that's exactly if you can't see it, you can't give yeah. it. So you that's, can't, that's, they can't, they're not allowed to do that. If he had taken away that goal based on those images... Mm-hmm. He probably would have been suspended because he would. It's it's beyond his authority, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. And and that's just how how the. But that was just works. part of a of a crazy ending, crazy crazy ending. One of the craziest endings to a Serie A game we've seen in a long time. Like this was, <laughs> and and I have to say, until that Pulisic goal and everything that happened afterwards, this was a terrible game. It really this was, was. This was again another unwatchable game. Nothing happened in the game. There was barely any chances in the entire game for either team. Um. It was seemed that all for the world it was going to finish as a, as a goalless draw. Um, and then obviously Pulisic, Pulisic scores. He came on as a sub um, at half-time. Um, and it was, it, was a, it was a good finish. He's a good finisher, Pulisic. We said that, last, we said that last week, didn't we? We said yeah. like he's dribbling, he's one-on-one, he's a bit, you know, he can be a little bit predictable. No, he's, not a good out. he's not He's not, no, he's, he's he's not, not one-on-one, but he is good at getting into the positions, making those runs into the box, um, attacking the space, and he is a good finisher. And I think he showed that with, with, uh, with this goal. I he scored some key, key goals already in Serie A. I, I, I was ridiculed by some people when I said that I think that Pulisic, before the season started, I said I think Pulisic is going to be the first US men's national team player to become a star at a, at a traditionally big European club. I, I, I feel very good with that prediction because 
I, I, the way that he comes clutch, no matter how you feel about this goal, he continues to score important goals for Milan. And not just these kind of 2-0 goals, but 1-0 goals. You know, these important goals that they in Italy, they really, they're the ones they count as being the winning goals, you know, scoring the first goal to give you the lead. These, these are important goals, and he keeps doing it for Milan. Um, and this time he did it as a substitute. And it's, it's really, he's really looking like a fantastic season. And I have to say about Milan, look, seven wins, one loss. That loss came against your cross-down rivals, and you were outclassed in that game. And you turn it around, and in the first seven games, you have eight games, you have seven wins. No matter how it looks, you still have banked 21 points out of 24. That is unbelievably impressive. That is the kind of form you need to be if you're going to win the Serie A title. And I think Milan Milan and Inter, are, are it's going to be a crazy... Milanese affair for this for the Serie A title and and I I have to, I hate to say it because I tipped Milan I tipped Inter to win the Serie A um, but I, I I Milan are giving me those kind of Scudetto winning vibes when you win the game like you did against Genoa like they did this year it, it's starting to feel like it's their year I just get those I mean it's way too soon to say but against Bologna as well like they they win games but they really don't deserve to win and that is the hallmark of a big team, whilst Inter, yeah. whilst or, or, or not a big team, but a team that wins titles, whilst Inter mm. dominate games for forty-five minutes, score one, two goals, and still can't win. You know, it's it's that that at least this this first twenty-five percent, I'd say Milan are probably the most impressive and the team that have grown the most compared to last season, um, because last season these are exactly the kinds of games that Milan would drop points in, that they would lose, let alone win. And, and let alone draw. So now you, these are, these kind of games are probably the games you're going to get after Champions League. Um, yeah, after Champions League, you're going to get these kind of games where you're a little bit flat and you're a little bit yeah. tired, and maybe you yeah. rotate and your your rotation players are not as good, and they weren't great. You know, mm. Okafor started, uh, Jovic started, and I, I don't know if he even touched the ball. <laughs> he was so bad. Um, Chukwueze hasn't really hit it off yet at Milan so far. Um, so, you know, there's still some question marks on some of these these rotation signings. Musa, who, start, who I was really kind of really kind of ex- eager to see and I thought started quite well at Milan in his first appearances, mm. has been really bad in the last week. Um, so there's still some question marks there, but, you know, they got the win and that's the key thing. Um, and But we have to talk about Giroud going in goal for the end. I mean, that was, I mean, again, talking about football, the kind of things, the beauty of football and what we love to see. I mean, that was just, that was amazing to see. Magnon gets sent off, uh, and it was a shocking, shocking. What was he Shocking doing? red card. It was. It was. I tweeted. It was. It was Harold Schumacher. Yeah. Against Patrick Battiston, nineteen eighty-two. Eighty-two. Yeah. It was. It was shocking. me in the head. I mean, it was. It was. Awful. I think he has to get two matches minimum for that, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, I'm sure it wasn't deliberate. I still have my question marks whether Harold Schumacher was deliberate because that was the kind I of think person that was he deliberate. was. I think <laughs> yeah. that was deliberate. Go and look at that again and also remember who Schumacher was. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't, I'm sure this wasn't deliberate. And I think some, some strong words have been said afterwards. Um, I think somebody called it murderous uh, from Jenna. No, it's, it's cra- he a can't murderous do it. challenge. Which was, he can't which do was, that. 
Yeah. You can't do that. You can't behave like that. And I think he should apologize. Uh, it was the general president that said that, right? Okay. Yeah. Alberto Zangrillo, yeah. He, yeah. he called it a murderous challenge. And uh, and, and uh, Manon has rightly, he's, he's replied, he says, Zangrillo, words have meaning. What happened yesterday was a gamble, perhaps a deplorable gamble, but in no way was it murderous. I wish you the best <laughs> of the future. I hope yeah, well, you will never have to experience what you just accused me of. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's absolutely he's, he's spot yeah, I, th- I think he handled that really well, Mignon. I mean, it's people need to chill out sometimes. I mean, there's no way he did it on purpose. He 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 took a gamble. He got it really wrong. And I think he should be suspended for it. But mm. calma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it I mean, it seems Giroud going goal and then make that save at the end. I mean, that was, that was incredible. That was incredible. Yeah, it was kind of like, and then, and then the Genoa goalkeeper gets sent off as well. And it's like it was just the most, it was the most insane ending ever. It really was. Um, but but it was Milan, mental. but Milan got through. Um, it came at a bit of a cost, though. Juventus will be smiling because mm-hmm. who suspended for the for the Juventus game? Not just Manon, but Teo Hernandez as well. So um, Juventus will be very happy with the, with the, I think, the I think you've, uh, cause you've have a, you've have really struggled against Milan in recent years, almost on par with how Milan have struggled against Inter. Mm. Um, so this is going to be a real test. I mean, if Milan end up winning that game, then yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. purely like, what can I tell you? But if they lose, you know? Yeah, well, it'll be more difficult now without without those two. Absolutely, they're both irreplaceable players. Um, mm. Let's move on to the Roman clubs now. Um, good good weekend, well, good week for both both Lazio and mm. Roma. Lazio and Roma both in crisis in the in the last week, and they both get two wins in two in both in Europe and in and in uh, in Serie A. Um, Lazio getting that two one win against Celtic with a ninety six minute winner from Pedro. And, and then they win a thriller against Atalanta, 3-2. Pedro scored again, uh, and uh, but it was uh, Vecino, wasn't it, that scored the yes. that scored the winner with five minutes to go. They were 2-0 up. Atalanta brought it back to 2-2, and then they went, won um, 3-2. So have they turned the corner, Lazio? I think so. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think so. And I think the reason for that is that Castellanos is doing what they signed him to do. And I think Chiro Immobile, the, 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 that, the process that I've said before and I've spoken about, how it's time to phase him out, um, especially out because, again, Maurizio Sarri's systems are like a marching band. I keep using this example because his defending and his attacking, his defending starts with a number nine and his defending, or his defending starts with a number nine and his attacking starts with a goalkeeper. So, you know, it's, it's a complete system. They, everything has to click. And it did in attack at least. They played not all the way for 90 minutes, but there were spurs, there, there were there were moments and, and stretches for this game where they played Saribol. They played absolute Saribol. And it was beautiful to see. Um, and this was an exciting game. It was a thriller. Um, no, it, I, I, I think this is, uh, this, is, this is something to build from. This has been such a difficult period for him, for Lazio, and, and they've turned it with you know now they can look upwards and onwards and again like i said they can actually top their champions league group which is insane if they do that um and i think sari his the way that he's spoken seems to have had an effect on the players as well it suggests to me that they want to fight for him that they what he says they listen to they take it on and they want to 
they believe in him. They love the football he plays. Um, so I, I think the biggest, I think the biggest story from this game was um, Castellanos again. Mm. Um, yeah. Castellanos scoring, he got an assist as well. Yeah. Man of the match performance, let's say. No doubt. And Rovella was good too. I have to say, I th- I actually was impressed by Cast- Tati Castellanos against Milan as well. I thought he was the one of the Lazio, only Lazio players that imp- I actually thought he did well in that game uh, against against Milan. Then obviously Immobile started, didn't he, against against Celtic and was pretty poor. Uh, I'm wondering whether Castellanos keeps his place in the team now. I am, well, like I I said, am wondering. Well, like I said, I think like I opened up the segment by saying it started because it's starting to work because Castellanos, the number nine or the attacking player in, in the Sari system has to fit the rest of the system. And he does. Chiro Immobile doesn't. I mean, it's a, it's a good option to have to throw in from the bench, Chiro Immobile. Mm. Uh, but no, I think it's time to phase him out. I think their biggest mistake was not selling him in the summer. I really think they should have sold him in the summer, where he is in his career and the money was that was on that was being offered. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. I think we're seeing a changing of the guard, and I think that it's going to work now for Lazio. And and the thing is, when it starts working and Immobile isn't on the pitch, and he, you know, who knows what happens in January? He could leave, and maybe they can do something else. Who knows? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Roma as well. They get a big win mm. um, today, four-one against Cagliari. Um, I think the big question from this is how many goals will Lukaku score this season? Give us a prediction there because he's now got seven goals in eight games since joining Roma. And remember, he joined Roma completely unfit as well mm. because he had basically done no, no running for like the whole summer. Uh, and well, um, some would argue since he left Inter for Chelsea, um, <laughs> but that, that would be <laughs> yeah. seven and eight, five and six in Serie A. Uh, how many goals do you think he's going to score this season in the Serie A or overall? All comp- well, both all competitions. Go on then. I think, gets, I think he gets. I think he gets fifteen in the Serie A, and I think he gets twenty overall. Twenty twenty okay. twenty twenty five overall, but fifteen in the Serie A, fifteen seventeen somewhere there, fifteen to seventeen okay. the Serie A, twenty to twenty five overall. Yeah, I'm gonna go twenty five if he stays fit. Twenty five, maybe even thirty, because they're gonna play a lot of games in the Europa League, and they're in a weak Europa League group, and he's just scoring for fun at the moment. He, he really is. Well, um, we have to talk about Dybala's injury, don't we? I mean. Well, we'll see how bad it is. I mean, Mourinho has spoken mm. after the game, and Mourinho, Mourinho, well, the Roma co- apparently the Roma physios are quite optimistic about it. My initial impression was it was a not, it was a hit. Uh, I always feel like when it's a hit, the chances are good for you. It's an impact injury rather yeah. than, but maybe there was some kind of twist in there. Maybe uh, Mourinho said that Dybala was not optimistic and that Dybala knows his body the best. Um, so, you know, hopefully it's just Dybala, you know, being a little bit kind of sad because of the, it's another injury. Hopefully it's just an impact injury. And in which case, I think he'll be back for the next game. If it's a, if it's anything ligaments or anything like that, then yeah, it's not good at all. <laughs> I mean, he's good. got five goals in the Serie after a, he's played six games, I think. And he's got five goals. Dybala? Yeah, no, Lukaku. Oh, I was just thinking, uh, just thinking yeah. out loud. And, and I'm thinking... I, I, 
I don't. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I'm. I feel very confident with what I said. Uh, yeah. I, I hope Dybala's okay. Well, Belotti's doing well as well. Belotti's got five goals this season, um, as well. Belotti, and he Belotti's had a really, one that of the was a really great finish. Yeah, but you, 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 people disrespect Belotti so much <laughs> that it's not even fun. Like you know, give the man. He, you know, he, he's he's a good player. You know, it's he's never. No one's ever said that he's a world. To be fair, if you score zero goals in a season, you, yeah, you, you, you're gonna you, you've got to take an injury. Bit. You know, he, he got a difficult a injury. Bit. He didn't score zero. He scored four last season. He, he was zero, zero goals in Serie A. Yeah, but I mean, he was he was off all year, and you know, <laughs> after a very difficult injury, and come on, be <laughs> yeah. No, I, I respect Gallo. Respect Gallo. I, I think I think Gallo is a hard worker. Never is is, is is Belotti's biggest is Belotti's <laughs> biggest defender. Like I'm Dumfries's biggest defender, and you're 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 Belotti's biggest defender. Um, respect Gallo. Respect Gallo. Cagliari though, Ranieri's got to go, hasn't he? He's going. I think he's going. I I, I and I don't think it will matter. Because they, I had Empoli as the worst team going into the season, but I, I feel I was wrong. Cagliari are dreadful. Mm. They are genuinely unwatchable. Yeah, they are. They're it's really just, bad defensively. Look at their Hussemoua goal. I mean, that's just that's just not Serie A. That's not that's pub defending. I mean, there was like four defenders. Two were on the pen, top of the penalty area. Two were in like. On the left, right hand side, completely out, and then there was a while all by himself on the left side, unmarked, being played on by the other two who were the other side. I mean, it was just watch the watch the OR got defending for the OR OR guys in terms of an actual defensive line. It's just it was just shambolic, and and so they conceded in loads, and and they they've only scored three goals as well in 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 eight games. So then they're they're bad at both ends, and I think that Ranieri has to go. I think. I think they need somebody that will just have a little bit of a go. The kind of cautious, conservative way, it just isn't going to work at all. No. No, it's it's not. And and they're not like they're they're just not good enough. Um the way that they 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 can barely create you talk about Allegri playing <laughs> antiquated football and I don't no, know what. No. I didn't want to mention him, but you have. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you you know. Sorry, but the, if 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 Allegri plays dinosaur ball, then I don't know what to call what Ranieri plays. He plays football that was like unmodern in the seventies. Like it's 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 just it's a straight four four two kind of I don't know what. No, it's it's it's, it's bad, man. It's yeah. it's really bad. But we're just we're just waiting for the Napoli game to finish. We've just gone into injury time, so just before, while we wait for that to happen. Um, just go and through I've the been other. keeping an eye on that. Yeah, so right. I've God been watching it. Heaven. I've been watching yeah, while too. recording because I'm so good yeah, at multitasking. Um, yeah, so too. Serie A. Who rest- said men can't multitask? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the rest of the Serie A matches: Empoli, uh, Udinese, nil nil. Lecce won, Sassuolo won. They were Friday matches, uh, and then the Sunday game. So Monza three, uh, Salernitana nil. Um, we said Ranieri has to go. Paolo Souza. I think he has to go as yeah, well. Yeah, he has he? to go too. Yeah, no, he, he does because he, because he, their he results are disastrous, and that that you look at their performances are disastrous, and their xG against every game is r- so high every single game. And Monza could have had six in this game. Um, they they really tore them apart. And I was really happy to see Vignato start and play really really well. He scored. He had one, went on another really really great run, which the keeper made a great Ochoa made a great save. Um, so I was really glad to see Vignato, um after the you know the, the role that he played in the 
in the under nineteen. Um, yeah, the under nineteens, and just as we're saying that, Fiorentina have scored a third goal. Yeah, Nico so Gonzalez three one. And just before we get to that, Frosinone two, Verona one. Uh, the Frosinone fairy tale continues. Um, and we have Renier, to talk about. I just wanted Renier. to mention among Monza, Colpani, yeah. Colpani, Colpani. I mean, yeah, you're a fan of him. Yes, I like what I've seen. Um, I am really, really impressed with everything he's with, with the season he's having. And I, I, this was a player who I had on my radar, but I wasn't expecting him to have the season he's having. And, and him and Vignato. Uh, no, I, I, Monza. Monza yeah, are, I like Monza. They play like a lot of Italian play. players, a lot of Italian youngsters. Colombo's there as well. Palladini play, plays football, develops them. Yeah, yeah, they're they're a good they're a good team. Talking about players that you know, sorry, coaches that have a big future. Palladino has a big yeah, future. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. We had a question, didn't we, on the Q and A on Tuesday about yeah. coaches that develop players, um, mm. and I think he's he's definitely he fits into that into that bracket definitely now we have to talk about Napoli who well just before we do talk about Napoli let's just 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 uh, Frosinone yeah uh, so Frosinone win 2-1 against Verona their, their fairy tale continues Renier mm. scored on his debut which was nice um, but the, there's only one player to talk about and that is Mattia Sule who was absolutely insane in this game he had something like six shots on this game um, he hit the post twice he scored he was he's, he was dribbling he was cutting inside Di Francesco compared him to Berardi after this game. Mm. I'm, I have to be honest, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised how good Sule has been for Frosinone. I didn't think he could be this good, certainly not this fast, because I saw him at Juventus and I wondered, did he lack a little bit of pace? I mean, there's no doubt about that lovely left foot he has, the technique that he has, but I wondered whether he had the ability to kind of, you know, beat his man and and do all this, what he's been doing for Frosinone. I mean, he's been, ins- he's been incredible so far. Did you see Frosinone. the game? I mean, he had, he, sh- he could have had a hat trick. Yeah. He hit the, he hit the woodwork twice. Yeah. He had a good goal. He was by far, in my opinion, the best player on the pitch. Oh, by a mile. He was, he was unbelievable. He was in unbelievable this in this game. Yeah. It, it was genuinely a joy to watch him. Um, yeah. And he I, has, I, he, I have he to say, I did for Italy. Well, Oh, yeah, well, there's that possibility. But, I mean, I have to say when he went on loan, and Juventus were considering actually selling him outright this summer, I have to say I wasn't against Juventus selling him because I I thought I didn't, I was unsure. I I mean, I'll be honest with you. I didn't think he was a Juventus-level player. I didn't think he would be a Juventus-level player. Now I've seen what he's done so far for Frosinone, and I'm thinking maybe he he is in the right system. Obviously... (laughs) Allegri like, system yeah. is the wrong system for him. He can't play in a three-five-two. He's playing as a, as a winger in a winger system. So that didn't help him under Allegri, of course. Uh, maybe he needed to play under a coach that. Whatever you want to say about Di Francesco, he, he does. He is good at developing players, uh, youngsters. Mm. Um, if nothing else, he's good at developing youngsters. So maybe he was the right coach for him. Um, yeah. but, and, and also let, let you know, let him have a full season. Same with Colpani. I hope nobody tries to pick him up. Leave him there for the entire season. Let him finish the season. Let him have a full season there, and let's see what we're dealing with afterwards. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't like it when I'm surprised. Are... I have to say, I'm very pleasantly surprised. I didn't think he would. He, he had this in him. Not this fast, anyway. Mm. But we'll see. Like you said, we'll see if he can keep it up. We'll see if he can keep it up. Um, okay, let's move on to Napoli now because the, the Napoli game has finished and a uh, bit of a disaster for, for Napoli. They've lost 3-1 at home to 
Fiorentina. Um, and they deservedly and, lost, and they de- let's be well, honest. Well, yes, they did deservedly lose. Um, and it's, yeah, it's incredible because I thought that Napoli had turned a corner. No. Um, no they'd won two games so. in Serie A and they, the game against Real Madrid, they went toe-to-toe against Real Madrid. They probably just about deserved to lose that game against Real Madrid, as we said in our in our pod on Thursday. But I thought that they went toe-to-toe with them. I thought they were really good in the second half against Real Madrid until until Modric came on, until Valverde scored that goal, that ended up being an own goal for Merit, kind of out of nothing. Um, but what we did see in that, in that in that Madrid game is that Napoli cannot defend at all. Defence is shocking. Uh, and we saw that again in this game. Uh, shocking defence in this game. Conceded another three goals. That's six goals conceded in two games. Mm. Nine goals already conceded in Serie A. This, this season, five goals already conceded in two games, uh, or no, sorry, four goals conceded in two games in the Champions League. Um, so that's 13 goals conceded in uh, 10 games mm. this season. I mean, that's, that's, that's shocking, that is. Um, so that's not all just down to not replacing Kim Min Jae. That's, that's, that's on Rudy Garcia, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> look, I, I was not a big fan of that uh, appointment, and I wonder at what point he will... I don't think anybody was, never. Mm, <laughs> I'd be surprised. Um, but look, I, I wonder how long he has a job at Napoli. Seriously. Because I, I never thought that I would be saying this. I'm starting to question whether or not Napoli even finish in the top four with him in charge. And that's not a question of me questioning the quality of the Napoli squad. No, that's me questioning Rudy Garcia. Because, I mean, 14 points, eight games, three points already off the top four, or or the fourth place, Fiorentino and Juventus, both on 17. Mm. Mm, I wonder, and and is an international break coming up? All I'm going to say is I wouldn't be surprised. I've seen stranger things happen. And I think, honestly, if you're going to sack some someone, it's better to do it now than in a month's time, the next international break, because now's the time to do it. Now is the time to do it. No, this is when you can still salvage your season. Yeah, you can um, save the season. If they sack him and bring someone in who can do something, they can salvage the season. This is just, it's looking broken. They don't, they just don't, I, I feel there's a disconnect. How do you take that team minus Kim Min Jae and turn it into this. I just don't understand. No, it is, it is astonishing. Um, I, they were I, dreadful I mean, I said, Napoli in this game. Yeah. No, they, they were. They were, they were. they were dreadful. They were, they, the, 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 the criticisms that I had against Garcia's Napoli in the first games of the season where there was just no, like the team was disjointed between the departments, big, massive gaps, too easy to play through. Too easy to open up, too easy to create chances. Yep, everything. Um, those that, that I mean, I had that big criticism of them during the the Lazio game, during the Genoa game, especially. Uh, and then they, I thought they turned it around, like they were better against Bologna. Then they then they destroyed uh, Udinese and Lecce. But obviously, we have to consider the opposition there. But then they also went toe to toe with Real Madrid, and I, I was ready to not give Rudy Garcia the benefit of a doubt because I, I don't rate him as a coach. But I was ready to kind of say, well. Maybe Napoli have enough in their players that they can kind of overwrite the coach a little bit. 
But then again, bang, we see in this game again that you just this the importance of a coach. We've seen again how important it is to have a to have a good coach. And if you have a bad coach, he can even destroy a, a really quality team like, like Napoli. And and that's what that's what's happened. And once again, and unless unless there's an injury there that, that I haven't seen, he's taken Ossiman off again. Um uh, uh, while Napoli are chasing the game at two one, in the seventy sixth minute he takes off Ossiman. Now I don't understand. I don't. I, I, if I'm mistaken and that there was an injury that I didn't see, we're, you know we're, we're reacting to this straight after full time. Um, he's taken Ossiman again off. How the hell can you take off Ossiman when you're losing two one? It's insane. That's a sackable offence on its own. How can you take Ossiman off? You're losing two one. I mean, do you want to get sacked? Do you want him to? Do you want him to? I don't to, understand to, what he's doing. What is he trying to do? Is he trying to to to, to get Osimhen to leave the club in January? Like, what is he doing after he took him off in that in the in the game against Bologna? Was it Bologna when he when he when he uh, Osimhen had a uh, had strong words against him? They had a little bit yeah. before that. It was the it was the Bologna game, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. And then there was obviously the TikTok stuff, and 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 now, I mean, just forget about all that. You want to try and get back into the game. You take off Ossiman. I mean, are you insane? Are you actually out of your mind? I don't get I it. I mean, I just don't get it. I don't understand what, what he thinks he's going to do. Um, I mean, I um, like Simeone. Don't get me wrong. Me too. But, but, but you do not take off Victor Ossiman when there's 15 minutes plus injury, 20 minutes left of the game, and you're chasing the game 2 1. You take off the best player, in, probably the best player, in, well, the best player in Serie A. Take off the best player in Serie A. The best striker of last A is just. It's just absolutely insane. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 just just get rid of him now. Well, no, no, well seriously, I, I, never, I can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah, I I, I never thought I'd say these words because I think even a limited coach like this guy can't screw it up as bad as Napoli being in risk of missing top four because of the quality. No, I, I'm I'm with you. I I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a guarantee. Could. I don't think top don't four think is a guarantee. No, no. And and I'm even starting to and I'm even starting to think when you said the other day, and I was almost laughing at you about the fact that do not discount Union Berlin or, or Braga from finishing above them. Well, I thought no. that was insane. No, having, no. Watched, having watched Braga and Union Berlin play and, and seen how bad they were, well, you can't bank on Napoli with Garcia no. against no. anyone. No, you can't. I, I have. It, it's such a mess. It's, it's almost impressive what he's done to this team. No. Yeah. And I have to say, I can't believe Fiorentina are where they are in, in, in the league. <laughs> I really can't. You know, and I'd like I'd like to stick up for Italiano and praise Me him where I can because I, you know, I like that modern brand of of football. How are Fiorentina fourth? Joint fourth? No, no, they're, they're yeah, they're, no, they're joint third. They're joint third yeah. with Juventus. They have got seventeen points. Yeah, yeah, they've moved above Napoli. Yeah, how are Fiorentina? I don't know how Fiorentina because I don't even think they've played well this season. No, they they've been awful in Europe. Did you see them against yeah, Ferenc Varos? I can't. It's just embarrassing. 2-2 two, two they drew, but yeah, no, it's it's, it's shocking. But you ha- we have to give credit to Bonaventura. I mean, and he's, guy, he has been great this season. He got called up for the Italy national team as well. Yeah, well, he deservedly so, let's be honest. The, the form he's been in, and he's such an underrated player, and, and to see him have this kind of, this late resurgence in his career, Mm. I'm just glad that he's playing Parisi. That's the only thing I'm happy about, and 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 I want, <clears throat> and and I think Parisi. The more Parisi plays, the less uh, Biragi plays. The happier I am. Mm. 
and I want Mandragora and uh, to play as well. <laughs> I love Mandragora, but no, no. Look, it's uh, Fiorentina. You know, again, you, when you don't play well and you win, uh, and winning away at Napoli three. Well, they did play well. I mean, well, yeah, and <laughs> no, no, I mean, like overall, uh, yeah, in overall season, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if you keep winning, and I mean, if you, you know, 17 points, they're challenging for a top, I, four, I, I don't, they, yeah, they won't keep it up. I'm pretty sure no, they won't keep no, it up, but, no, but so yeah, and absolutely, but yeah, I'm impressed. They, it's an impressive start to the season that superseded my expectations on them, so credit where credit is due. No, no, for sure. Um, okay, right, well, one player that did play very well in in this game is and this has worked out really nicely is uh, is Michael Kayode. So we're going to do a little profile on on Michael Kayode. He's 19 years old. He is the right back for Fiorentina um who has now become basically the starting right back for Fiorentina um and the regular starting right back following the, the injury to Dodo who's got a serious injury and he's going to be out until 2024. Um but already Kayode was already playing uh, rotating with with Dodo um, until before Dodo's injury, um, and he he was really really impressive against uh, against Napoli uh, this evening. Uh, had a had a really good battle with with Kvaratskhelia, um, not just defensively, but he also you know did well going the other way as well. Um, and Coyote really uh, came to the fore during the the summer. He was one of Italy's stars in the the Euro under nineteen. Uh, Euro Championship victory. He um, he started the tournament as a right back. Then in the knockouts, moved to as a right winger, and he was absolutely brilliant in the semi-finals against Spain. Destroyed Spain um, as a right winger with his pace and his direct running. And then again in the final, he was fantastic, and he scored the winner for Italy against Portugal in the final uh, to to complete what was a what was a really really excellent tournament for him. Um, he's very fast, physically very very strong. Um, big upper body, um, kind of a bit like, I guess, comparable to Destiny Odoji in the sense that he's like a man in a boy's body already. Um, he's very good in the air. He's got a really good leap on him. Um, he's got an insane long throw, like the one of the longest long throws I've seen. So if you're ever playing Brexit ball, which I don't think Italiano will ever play, but if you ever need, if you ever need a long throw into the area, um, yeah. Sean Dyche maybe might 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 look at him, um, but he's now um, now been promoted to the Italy under twenty one squad, uh, and um, he Arsenal are interested in signing him and sent scouts to watch him in the the win against uh, Cagliari. Um, so he is a player. Apparently, they've been scouting him for 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 a good few months. Apparently, so he is somebody that is getting eyes. Um, from from bigger clubs, including in the Premier League, um, and he's yeah he's doing really really well. He, he grew up in the Juventus youth system for seven years before leaving for Gozzano, and then he went to the Fiorentina Primavera team a couple of years ago, uh, and now he has now um, uh, developed and been promoted into the into the senior teams, and he's actually paid. Listen to this: thirty thousand euros a season right now, contract until twenty twenty five. Fiorentina though are working on a new deal. So this is a player that I'm really, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see his development um, because he was fantastic in the summer and he, I think he's done really well at Fiorentina so far. Miller. He really has. Um, and, you know, he's only 19 years old and it's really exciting to see. Um, you know, this is, you know, if we're talking, you know, with all due respect to Godzano, it's not really 
Um, <laughs> it's not it's not the you know first team experience, but no, I'm I'm really I'm really impressed. And and one thing we have to give I want to give credit to um, to Italiano is is that he's good at working with young players. That we know from his uh, from his era uh, from from Spezia, where he did a fantastic job. Um, is uh, he 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 we've seen him work wonders i still think that what he did with spezia that those two seasons you know bringing them up and then also keeping them up with a team that had no business staying up is is truly that that's his greatest feat to date i think um and it's um it's interesting because he's you know he's worked under alberto aquilani at the fiorentina primavera squad uh, who you know are you know it's, it's he's he's actually quite highly rated as a as as a as a youth coach or youth uh, direttore or whatever you want to call it. Um, no, it's 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 really he's he's looking interesting and and it's um, it, it's it's fun to see these new young Italian players um, coming up. Um, uh, teenagers, we don't have that many teenagers in the Serie A who play regularly now, do we? So it's nice when they do when we get to have. No, and this is why I cried about it so much in the summer give these guys a chance because mm. you know you give them a chance and this is this is what what can happen you know sorry yeah sorry just, just to give just to give a context you know fiorentina have they're, they're one of the best sides they're one of the best youth setups in all of italy um and he's won one primavera coppa italia and two super coppa primaveras so we are, we are talking about, and he was also, if I'm not mistaken, part of the under 19 squad that won the Euros. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, who's that? Sorry, Coyote. yeah, the under 19. Yeah. yeah, the under 19. Yeah, yeah. So, so you see, he has he he. You know, it's 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 an interesting generation that Italy are producing. Well, yeah, and this is why I say you play these guys. I mean, he was a part of the the, the under 19s and and so was uh, Vignato. Vignato is now starting yeah. to get some get some. He started to he started today and played really really well against Salernitana. Oh, um, you know, the, give play these players, give them a chance. Don't let them just rot away. Uh, and 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 they're they're two of the most you know exciting youngsters in in Serie A. So so absolutely more more of the same of that. Um, Okay, right. Let's uh, finish off with Bad Joe and Prem Face of the Week. Okay, Bad Joe. Um, who you got for Bad Joe this week? Um, I've got I, 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 I've got uh, Colpani for his goals and, and his start to the season. Um, Lautaro's goal, of course, and Lautaro's performance this week has been against Benfica as well, because I thought it was unbelievable against Benfica, even though he didn't score. But yeah, for me, Lautaro's goal against Bologna is, is up there. One of him or Colpani. Yeah, I'm going to go for Sule. Sule for me. I thought he was he was uh, magnificent. Even Pedro for, for Lazio uh, at his age. He scored two goals this week, so that was mm. a nice little story um, as well. Um, okay, Prem Face of the Week, as always, um, quite a lot of competition <laughs> this week. Martin Keown calling Lons Leon uh, is such a quintessentially Prem Face thing to do. It's insane, isn't it? <laughs> it's just... Commentating on, uh, commentating on Lens versus Arsenal in the Champions League, and uh, you call them Leon. I mean, 
<laughs> repeatedly too, from what I understand. Yeah. It wasn't just one yeah. time. Uh, and no Joe, Cole, Joe Cole come out with them um, with what is now the, the the 2023 modern version of he can't can he do it uh, at Stoke on a wet and windy Tuesday night? This is the this is the 2023 Prem face version of that. Which what is, is their obsession with Brentford? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but this is not the modern version of that, which is Brentford are tougher than insert insert, team insert foreign team. That is the that is the new. <laughs> so what Joe is Cole this obsession they've got with Brentford. <laughs> like, it's like Brentford has become some sort of I don't know. <laughs> it's like it is. Any- that's what I said. That Brentford are the twenty twenty three version of Stoke. Yeah, that's what they, they are. are. The new Stoke. Really good. That's a really good. Yeah, they are. They're the new Weird. Stoke. They use as the example that foreigners, you know, that, that they won't be able to to hack it against Brentford, you know, because they are the like, Premier League English through and through. And, you know, did you see our good friend Rory the Tory waffling about <laughs> on, on, about how you football fans should unite around Liverpool? His 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 speech, his um, mm. his um, Rory the Tory promoting socialism. Eh? No, it was, it <laughs> the was, irony. It was it was hilarious how he was he he was he was going on about how you should. Um, unite around Liverpool's banner because this is bigger than just one game, and I don't know. It's, it was the most this the most incoherent word salad I think I've ever seen. And this is the thing, and he does this time and time again. The thing is with people like him is that he, they use terminology whose meanings they don't know, but they've heard it so many times on social media, and it th- they think that if they use it, it makes them somehow relevant. Um, I used to do that too. But then I had my 10th birthday and stopped because I was told by my parents to not use words that are whose meanings I don't understand. Most people stop doing that around 10, 11. Um, Roy the Tory doesn't. Um, it's, it's truly, truly remarkable. Um, but yeah, no, it's, 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 it's just, it's not nonstop. A we got a late, we got a late entrance though. Um, <laughs> while we were recording our prem face hunter, Sam, Samuel Venturist. <laughs> Um, he sent sent it in. Um, so Alan Pardew has been on Shock Horror Talk Sport this, this <laughs> evening. It's always Talk Sport. Um, and he's been complaining about why Calvin Phillips is not getting in the first team at Manchester City. What, Yorkshire Pirlo isn't good enough. <laughs> and, he's, and he said, and I quote Alan Pardew, I quote, Pep played Kovacic and Bernardo Silva instead. I don't understand it. Why doesn't Phillips get in ahead of them? <laughs> So there you have it. Alan Pardew thinks yeah. that thinks that uh, Kovacic and Bernardo Silva are not as good as as Calvin Phillips. Um, but that doesn't surprise me at all because when Alan Pardew was West Ham manager, he used to play Marlon Harewood ahead of Carlos Tevez, and he used to play <laughs> Hayden Mullins instead of Javier Mascarano, and that was true. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was. I remember I was in uni then. Um, so, this was around 06, 07, wasn't it? This was, yeah, after the 2006 yeah. no, World I, Cup yeah. when West Ham. I remember this vividly because uh, yeah. I was in uni. Tevez uh, eventually and, uh, managed to break his way into the first team and basically yeah. saved West Ham. <laughs> and so did Mascherano. Or did, but Mascherano no, was, didn't know. For, no? uh, maybe no. not till the very end. I think he struggled. Ma- Hayden Mullins was like, had that shirt. <laughs> that shirt nailed on. Mascherano was there watching on. And then, oh my God. Just... Hilarious, isn't it? Absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, no, I remember Alan Pardew because that was, he got he got them. Didn't he get them to the 
UEFA Cup final. No, FA Cup final. Sorry, FA Cup final. Sorry, FA yeah. Cup final, which they lost to Liverpool in that crazy game at, in Cardiff Millennium Stadium. That's right, 3-3, wasn't it? And I remember this vividly because one of our patrons, um, who is a good friend of mine, I went to uni with him, and his, his, his hatred, rancid hatred of Liverpool uh, was one of the most. <laughs> he's a West Ham fan, um, and and this 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 his rancid hatred of Liverpool started because of that final, and he just never forgave them for not allowing West Ham to win the FA Cup <laughs> final, and he still to this day hates Liverpool with a fire, with a burning passion, which is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. We actually, he was when I was in Milan in February. I was with him. Uh, it was, and we spoke about it. And yes, it's it's still all these years on. He still absolutely hates Liverpool because of that <laughs> FA Cup final loss. Hilarious. I bet he's enjoyed the last week then of VAR <laughs> and replay gates. I bet he oh. loved that. Oh, he's, he's, been, he's been so happy, so happy. And, and the thing, the, the table They're complaining must... again today, the Liverpool fans, because yeah. did you, have you seen it against yeah. Brighton? Because when, when Liverpool scored the second goal, to go, they got the penalty to go 2-1 up. And the, the to be fair, by the letter of the law, it mm. seems as if Pascal Gross should have been sent off yeah. for deliberate, um, deliberately yeah. Um, yeah. fouling the play and you know, preventing a goal-scoring opportunity. But um, he didn't get sent off. And they scored the penalty to go 2-1 up. And then... And then uh, Lewis Dung equalised in the second half to make it 2-2. And that's how the game finished, 2-2. <laughs> so Liverpool fans, they're going berserk again against VAR and the refs saying that they've cost them two more points. <laughs> uh, the reason why I remember this is because when you mentioned Tevez Mascherano, third-party contracts, because that season yeah. Sheffield United got relegated um, yeah. and they wanted to have West Ham relegated because they were all, you know, uh, they were all tied up in this scrap. That's at the correct. bottom of it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and I remember this vividly because Sheffield United were like in every court in the land trying that to get. That was key interruption, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Iranian. <laughs> so yeah. we've come full circle. Come full circle I remember yeah. this vividly, so vividly, and and I remember Sheffield United, you know, going about it the way that they did, and and how much they were moaning, and and West Ham were pissed off, and oh, it was it was mm. that, that's one of my favourite Premier League seasons that. Uh, 0607 to be honest around that 060707708 was really really fun good yeah. years yeah it was okay right let's leave it at that uh, we'll be back on Tuesday for the Q&A uh, and then later in the week where we'll uh, preview the Italy um, Euro 2024 mm. qualifiers against Malta and England yeah uh, huge, huge yeah Wembley yeah huge massive for Italy um, okay right um enjoy the week guys and we will see you on tuesday ciao ciao